0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, our text from Hebrews ends with this exhortation. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Well, obviously, I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. You heeded the gathering together part, at least. But presence, physical presence, is not always enough. There is the challenge of perception. What do you see? Not just with your eyes. What do you hear and smell and taste and sense in this place? Where are we in a larger sense, a more complete sense? I would suggest that as we come into this place, we come often with three problems, three issues as we gather together. And the first problem is the problem of privilege. We bring this from the society from which we come. The Bill of Rights has somehow morphed into a universal right of access. Our egalitarian sensibilities embolden us to see no closed doors, no rights of passage, no borders. And in one sense, that's true. We throw the church doors open. But with that, there is the danger of losing the sense of holy place. Over eight decades ago, this place was dedicated to the triune God, it was set apart. The Hebrew word for that is kadosh, which we also translate as holy. The problem of privilege is the loss of respect for holy place. The second problem we come with is as old as the garden. It's the problem of pride. We fail to plumb the depths of our sin. The sin in our own heart, the old Adam, the old Eve in each of us. In our catechism, we teach concerning baptism that the old Adam in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die. And he is... But he also proves to be a great swimmer. The third problem is the problem of perception. We fail to see the things of God. Sometimes we come up here, we dance around like this is our living room furniture. Right? That's just a table, a place, horizontal surface to collect objects. And this this is just a reading stand, right? Well, privilege, pride, and perception are all three addressed in the Bible. I remember as a young man, Bob Krause, he was an elder back in our church in Wisconsin. Bob was a trust, crusty old World War II vet. He had some really great stories. He almost drowned because he went over the ship. He wanted to carry enough ammunition. He was not going to be short. We almost sank. <laughs> but he was also our mailman. And he told me confidently one day that he read the Bible cover to cover, twice. I was a young man. I, I was impressed. So I started in on Genesis 1, 1, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, that attempt failed. I'm sure many of you have experienced the same thing. I suggest that there, there are two places where such attempts often fail. And the first is the, the mind-numbing genealogies and lists of names. First Chronicles 24, a great example. We read, the divisions of the sons of Aaron were these, and then skipping down to the list, a list of priests. The first lot fell to Yehu Arib, the second to Yada'ai, the third to Harim, the fourth Serim, the fifth to Yah, the sixth to Jemand, and on and on it goes for twenty four lots. Lord knows I butchered a few of those names. Who are these men? And why do we need to know about them? And then after the division of the priests, we get the division of the other Levites, and then the division of the musicians and the gatekeepers, and the keepers of the treasury. Well, our, our tongues twist, our eyes glaze over, our heads nod, and the book falls. But I would suggest there is even a greater risk to finishing of cover-to-cover reading of the Bible Lies in Leviticus, some place in the midst of sacrificial offerings there 's grain offerings and sin offerings there 's free will offerings there 's burnt offerings, some of these are burnt, they burn up the whole thing, some of them are waved, some of them are eaten by the priests or by the people or both or and then then there 's the blood it 's everywhere there 's blood that 's spattered that 's blood that 's poured, some of it 's smeared there 's blood that 's thrown. By the time we get to the scraping off the plaster of a leper's house, well, we throw our hands up. We don't do any of that anymore. What's going on? Someplace in the midst of sacrifice, our intent to read the Bible cover to cover gets sacrificed on the earthly altar of good intentions. The lens of Leviticus is lost to us. There are no bulls or blood, at least that we can see here. Which is why the book of Hebrews and the teacher of Hebrews is so invaluable to us. This teacher, we don't even know his name, sees everything through the lens of Leviticus. Leviticus sets out the ancient worship of the true God, the triune God. The tabernacle itself was patterned after what? After the heavenly model that God showed to Moses. And these rites and rituals, these ordinances and sacrifices, God spoke to Moses that he might instruct his people, the children of Israel. And this teacher is steeped in temple and sacrifice. He knows the rituals and he sees the connection. He teaches us about the new temple and the new sacrifice, which is why this text from Hebrews chapter 10 is so valuable to us. At the very center of our reading this morning, he quotes Jeremiah chapter 31, which speaks about a covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. Actually, back in chapter 8, he quotes an even much longer section from Jeremiah 31. And the point that he begins there, he brings to a conclusion here. It started with the high priest on the Day of Atonement. Christ is the new and greater and the perfect high priest. That's chapter 5. He's the mediator of a new covenant. That's chapter 8. Which results in a new divine service that's centered around him. And then there's the entire priesthood. Verse 11 of our text. Offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But now, there's a single sacrifice. A final sacrifice. Christ has entered into the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands. That's chapter 9. He entered with his own blood, and by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And then... The final word from Jeremiah 31. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. This teacher, this writer to the Hebrews, looking through the lens of Leviticus, lifts up our eyes to heaven. He lifts our eyes to heaven and he shows us Christ. He shows us the heavenly temple and the holy place into which Christ carried his own crucified body. What the high priest did on the Day of Atonement only pointed to this day and this sacrifice and this high priest. Now we have confidence to enter with, confidence by the blood of Christ. You are redeemed. You are ransomed by the blood of Christ. I think there's somebody in the church. I heard a noise. Pastor Lisher's wife woke him at one in the morning. Nobody could possibly be in the church. But he gets up, gets his flashlight out, and makes his way dutifully from the parsonage to the side door of the church. Up the steps he goes to the sacristy door that leads to the chancel. I pushed open the sacristy door, he writes, and shone my light around the altar and pulpit, and to my astonishment, a pair of eyes gazed back at me from the darkness. Her name is Terry. And she had broken into the church to pray on a Saturday night. It's easy, she says. After I jimmied the window the first time, nobody bothered to shut it right. She's sitting in the sedile, the pastor's chair, up in the chancel. Terry's obviously good at breaking things. Social expectations, legal regulations, even symbolic codes. What prevented her from coming before God in a more regular way, i.e. Sunday morning was not the fear of his holiness in this place, but the fear of his people. It's the problem of privilege. Where we started back at the beginning, only backwards this time, Terry knows that this is a place of refuge in the presence of God. Refuge from a stepfather who works too little and drinks too much. She had fled from that trailer to another one closer to the Southern Illinois University campus as she struggled to finish a degree. But she only found another trailer and another small town and another foul-tempered man. So she came back to this little town in Southern Illinois with her own little secret. She was pregnant. Her fear of God's people was well-founded because of the second problem, the problem of pride. You see... Pastor Lister's congregation knew Terry, or rather, they remembered her pregnant mother. And the memory came with guilt and silenced shame. Sons of the congregation were involved, influential families, and the gossip mill does not quickly forget. There was no clear answer as to who. There were several young men implicated. It's not our son, prideful parents declared. And when the pregnant te- teenager went away, Terry would say was driven away, and no husband followed, there was a sigh of relief. But the guilt remained. Pride has no greater enemy than gossip, and gossip has no stronger weapon. Do the problems of privilege and pride cause us to stumble? I mean, the doors are open, they're wide open. We talked about that earlier, but what about the doors of our hearts? A young man sleeping in front of our mailbox. Do we shoo him away or invite him in? We joke about our pew, but who is that stranger sitting there anyway? This text from Romans 10 is all about drawing near to God. It's never easy. Our sins and the sins of others get in the way. But there is a new and living way, as he writes, that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. In the face of privilege and pride, confession can be the hardest move. Confession, we claim, is wrought by the Holy Spirit, and we believe that. But it is also resisted mightily by the old Adam. We know his moves, all of them. We try to ignore our own sin. We try to justify them by the circumstances or by comparing them to others. We bury it under the sands of time, but the sands shifts. And that's what happened to Pastor Alicia's church. Terry's mother was gone. But now Terry and her fetus are here. But the spirit is persistent. Change came slowly to that congregation. True to her prediction, Terry's stepfather hit her, hit her hard when he found out that she was pregnant. So the elders found her a shotgun house on the outskirts of town. Not much: three rooms, running water, stove, tank of propane. She agreed to pay fifty bucks a month. Some of the ladies found a couch, kitchen table, a window fan, various knickknacks. They had it furnished in about a week. It was collective confession. Pride gave way to privilege granted. Anonymous envelopes appeared on pastor's desk with Terry's name on the outside and cash on the inside. With confession, forgiveness began to snowball. They had a baby shower in the fellowship hall. But the final scene, straight out of Hebrews, through the lens of Leviticus. In November, Terry gave birth to a girl. Up to that point, her story had only barely been under the surface of the community and so subjected to ferocious gossip. All that changed when they baptized Asia Teresa and welcomed her into the congregation. Pastor Lisher intoned the tone words of the baptismal literate, liturgy. Do you renounce the devil and all his empty promises? He didn't address the child, though. He didn't address the sponsors. He spoke to the congregation. The divine service, in effect, was saying, Will you give up telling lies about one another? And the congregation replied with a thunderous, We renounce them. And water was poured over Terry's little Asia. In full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 22. Pastor Alicia writes, In the definitive act of church-breaking, Cherry, radiant in her only dress, shyly turned and faced them all. For a moment, at least, the gossip about the outsider caught its breath and fell silent. Brothers and sisters, we are in the presence of God. Here, in this place, at this time, privilege is not a problem. Because through the lens of Leviticus, we understand that privilege comes from another. We are here by invitation. We have washed our robes in the blood of the Lamb. He invites us to share in the joy of His Father, now our Father. And the problem of pride, well, it has simply changed its focus. Only the redeemed can stand here. Our pride, our praise focuses on Christ, who redeemed us. And invites us to come and to invite others to come and to receive what we have already received. And no longer is it a problem of perception, for here we see and touch and taste the holy things of God. He is truly here in His Word. In the body and blood we will shortly receive from His altar, Christ has brought us into the holy place. Into the presence of God. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.